I think there is a sense for a lot of um, Southeast Asian immigrants that starting a business is a very powerful way to improve their, um, to provide for their families and improve their economic status. That was Va Meng Ta. He's the executive director of the Asian Economic Development Association, or ADA. We'll hear more from him soon. Ethnic enclaves are thriving economies that have the potential to help their members' economic status. But how do the business owners in these enclaves lift their own communities? And what role do they play in supporting or contributing to the greater economy? I'm Brant Williams. And I'm Jonathan Rabb. And this is Untangled Roots. One of the key ways ethnic enclaves support the community is by providing services based on cultural practices and traditions. While we've mostly talked about the consumers of these services, we also need to focus on the individuals who provide these services. For some enclave members, the desire to start a business is not grounded in the dream of owning a business. Va Meng Ta from Ada explains. These business owners, most of them, were given a choice between operating a small business or having the skills, the education to do something else, they would choose something else, (laughs) you know, that would um, allow them to support their family and send folks to college or, you know, they would do something else. Um, I think there is a misperception that business owners, especially immigrant and minority businesses, um, and especially Asian-owned businesses, they make a lot of money. You know, they don't. They barely could cover their expenses, and they barely earn enough to support their family. That's the nature of uh, being a small business owner for most of them. Um, y- yeah, there are some perks and being your own boss, but at the same time, you have to spend like 50, 60, 80 hours a week, seven days a week on your business. It takes a toll. Um, and it, when you're a business owner, um, it's you depend on yourself and your family members to help out. And most of the, these businesses do exactly that. It's the, the, um, the parents, the grandparents, and often the children are called in to chip in. And, of course, uh, they will do what they can because it's a family affair. But most of the time... They, they, you know, they can't afford to hire from uh, the outside. And uh, there is a misperception that Asian businesses keep it to themselves because they're, they don't want to, they don't want to hire because they want to keep all the money, you know, for example. No, it's just because they can't afford it. <laughs> um, and businesses who can, who are profit, profitable, they do hire from outside because they can't depend on their family all the time. So, so what I'm saying is that, um, Owning a business and operating a family-owned business, it's hard. And people do it often because it's, it's not a choice, but it's because they're, they have to. They, they can't enter the job market and earn a good livable wage to support themselves and their family. They don't have the education or the skills uh, to enter into a field that's, um, that would provide uh, health benefits, you know, 
uh, retirement savings account um, and put in a, a build a nest, nest egg for the next generation. You know, so they do it because it's the only way they could they could survive. So these Enclave members are working to support themselves, but success isn't guaranteed. Vameng is realistic about the small business experience in Little Mekong, but also optimistic. Some become successful, but others continue to struggle. It depends on the industry and also the type of entrepreneur they are and what kind of uh, asset or skills that they bring to their um, business. You know, so it varies. But I think there is a sense for a lot of um, Southeast Asian immigrants that starting a business is a very powerful way to improve their, um, to provide for their families and improve their economic status. Often small business ownership in an enclave is a family affair, but making that commitment to family can feel like giving up your own ambitions. Erica Trin is the owner of Ann's Hairstylists, a legacy business in Little Mekong started by her mother in 1989. I think for a while working here in the salon, I felt like it was something I did for my mom. Like it was a family business and um, she pushed me to be a part of it. I'm really good at it. I do enjoy it. But I didn't feel like it was mine. Erica enjoys her work, but she also had ambitions of her own. And the relationship she built in Little Mekong gave her the opportunity to try something new with support. And so then I decided to bake because I enjoyed doing that. And I kind of reached out and spoke to people. And the first wholesale account was for Tea Garden. They they're not Tea Garden anymore. I think they're called Sencha. Um, so they, uh, I spoke to the owner. She's a good friend of mine. And she was like, yeah, if you, you know, make some cupcakes, get licensed, do all this thing, I'll order from you. One of the strengths of an ethnic enclave is the willingness of individuals to support one another. Shared practices help people grow their businesses together. Erica's experience has been positive. I think we're more open to sharing. Um, I, I think it depends on the industry, too. I feel like food industry likes to share a little more than maybe some other industries. Um, but I mean, there's always somebody open to sharing information. You just have to talk and, and find them. And But you can't find them unless you talk and ask. Ethnic enclaves provide a lot for the individuals living within the enclave, but they also contribute a great deal to the wider communities they are a part of. Vameng Ta from Ada understands the importance of Little Mekong as an economic driver for St. Paul. Little Mekong is not just for Southeast Asians. And it's not just a destination where we go when we want some Asian food. It creates jobs. It brings in an economic value. It's an economic driver, not only for that particular neighborhood, but for the entire city of St. Paul. I mean, we could just use some of the events that we've done or some or some of the restaurants there that's been there for decades, they draw folks from all over. Um, and those people bring in money into the neighborhood. Um, and that's a good thing. So cultural districts like Little Mekong, Little Africa, Rondo, Lake Street, um, Westside St. Paul, these are f- locations or where the local economy thrives 
right? And we need to support these these cultural destinations in our city because without them, we will lose a lot. Not only cultural vibrancy, but the jobs will go away, the small businesses will go away, and especially for our uh, ethnic communities, immigrant communities, these are centers of economic opportunities, right? I mean, I want to go there because I want to experience Asian food and Asian culture, but it's more than that. The bottom line is that um, districts like Little Mekong are crucial for economic stability for families and for our neighborhoods. With economic stability comes growth. The economist Bruce Corey talked about some of the conditions that contribute to growth. Certain communities have the volume of customers who want that product. So the success of Hmong Town and Hmong Village, they're all selling very, but you have thousands of people going there, right? And so uh, they have uh, the, the combination of two things. You need to get volume of people in a place where more people will find it. Hey, that's a place I'm going to go. So we can expect 10,000 people coming here over weekends or 5,000 people. Then you'll see growth. Growth is important. And for the economic enclaves, it brings stability and encourages more individuals to seek out the enclaves. But it also presents challenges. And one of those challenges is how an enclave decides whether to be more open to the public outside of the enclave. Economist Bruce Corey explains some of the considerations that go into this decision-making process. I think here's the here's the challenge for most people. If you if you are if your ethnic market serves your business model, then you don't have to do anything, right? And there are some restaurants like that. They're serving an ethnic group and they have enough of volume, they don't much care for anything else. But very often you'll reach your saturation point where you have to go and say, and it's and the question is, it's it's both ways. It's not looking at the question of fairness, it's looking at basic customer service, right? It's like the guy who told me he saw this new demographic coming in to his restaurant and another guy that told me, and I'm getting a lot of, they, they took a big order, right? So there are people with uh, the opportunity of being, Engaging in it is probably you're going to get new infusion of revenue and customers to your business. So not to get caught up in in that part of it, but they're entrepreneurs, they're business-minded. They also want to be successful. And you have to understand that there are different market segments. This market segment doesn't care, or not a big deal, but this other market segment, it's important for them. So if you want that market segment, do that, right? So I understand your point where you're saying, like, are we uh, putting barriers to cultural expression by forcing them to do things? But I think uh, there are some very successful people that might be doing both. Hmm? Nowadays, I see a lot of El Burrito, Mercado, and Maria Silva is always on. But what she's doing, she's doing both. You go, you go and get that authentic experience. I, I like the food there. It's very unique. But she's telling people, hey, engaging with them. So so I think it's a little tougher in the early, like the beginning restaurant. Uh, they have language issues. 
and other stuff. It might be tough for them to uh, to fully do things, but a smile sometimes is all that you need. One of the things that small business owners have to consider in these enclaves is how to get access to the type of resources that allow a business to expand. For ethnic enclaves like Little Mekong, those resources come from within the community or with the help of nonprofit groups. Vameng Ta has concerns about how ethnic enclaves are seen by the government. When it comes time for them to decide where some of these resources go, they tend to overlook us. Um, and then for, for example, for planning departments, I think they're just catching up to what cultural districts mean as economic drivers for, for neighborhoods, especially low-income neighborhoods. They, they, they're coming around to the idea that, um, our cultural neighborhoods and, and cultural business district districts are valuable and they need to pay attention to it and be more intentional about how they plan economic opportunities and how they channel resources. A particular issue for Little Mekong was the impact of a light rail train system that was built along University Avenue, which is a main roadway that runs right through the enclave. The promise of economic opportunity also came with challenges for the small business owners. Va Meng and Ada had to figure out how best to help. You know, there is, you know, light rail coming through. There is increasing uh, pressures from development, um, rents going up. Um, so our job is really to develop strategies and come up with the resources to support and make Little Mekong sustainable for the future so that we don't lose those businesses, so that there is a, a destination for Southeast Asians, you know, uh, so for us, it's, it's, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, naturally created or if it's supported by a nonprofit. I think, there's, I think there are advantages to both and there's a need for both. A particular challenge for small business owners in ethnic enclaves is the inability to own physical structures where their businesses are housed. Because these small business owners start with fewer resources, they often begin as renters and remain renters even as they attempt to grow their businesses. Va Meng and Ada know that issues of institutional bias and discrimination contribute to this lack of access. To support a business owner who is a renter to becoming an owner of his own store. You have to provide a lot of things. That includes access to capital. A lot of these folks cannot access capital. They cannot go to a bank and say, can I get a loan to make my business successful so I can own this building? They're not in a position to go to a bank and do that. Banks just don't you know, invest in many minority-owned businesses. Um, and so, we have to answer the question of how do we make accessing capital more affordable, easier, and less detrimental to minority-owned businesses. So we can start with affordable capital. There's not a lot of affordable capital for people of color and businesses of color. So if you go with you know a standard bank loan, they're going to look at a lot of things that Assets, you know, cash on hand, credit score that a lot of these businesses don't have. So we 
One solution is to get rid of some of that, make it easier to qualify for a loan. Nonprofits play a big role in filling the gap between small business owners and government resources. Van Meng is hopeful that these gaps can get smaller. I think folks are coming around, but I think up until a couple of years ago, we were sort of out in the wood by ourselves with other community organizations saying, you have to focus on our ethnic businesses and enclave, you know, in districts. Planners and decision makers have not realized that this is an opportunity for them to maybe come up with a new way to develop our neighborhoods and create jobs. Ethnic enclaves offer a valuable opportunity for their community members to create growth. This growth can lift individuals, families, and the greater community financially. And financial success can bring with it some much-needed stability. But long-term stability for economic enclaves will need the cooperation of small business, nonprofit, and government agencies to build a long-term path that can benefit all. Thank you so much for listening. Untangled Roots is a production of NPR News and part of our North Star Journey Project. Untangled Roots would not have been possible without the work of many people, including executive producer Sarah Glover, producers Twyla Dang and Brent Williams, hosts Brent Williams and Jonathan Rabb, sound design and mixing Alex Simpson, researcher Ann Harrington, with original music by Greg Grease. You can learn more about Untangled Roots, the North Star Journey Project, and find additional resources by going to the NPR News website at nprnews.org. Untangled Roots was made possible in part by the Minnesota Legacy Amendments Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.